About five years ago, I was very sure that I would never live in the suburbs. <laughs> At the time, this also seemed like an irrelevant stance to take. We were happily living in Berkeley, and I loved my job. My husband, Jesse, had just started grad school, and the, the kids were still pretty young, enough so that taking all of that together, it was not a good time to uh, even entertain the idea of moving. But then, that spring, Phil, who was my boss at the time, um, he told me he wanted to read the parish profile for a church, for this church, uh, specifically, as you had just launched your rector search. Now, Phil had been telling me about Church of the Resurrection for years. He's good friends with Bruce, my predecessor, and he, he expected that Bruce would be retiring before too long, and he thought that it would be a good fit for me. Each time he said this, I thanked him. And I tried not to roll my eyes too obviously. Inwardly, I was thinking he was off his rocker. I knew next to nothing about this congregation, but I was confident that it would not be a good fit. Now it was real, though, and he wanted me to read about you. I ignored him. A few days later, he asked what I had thought, and then he nagged me some more to look at the profile. Still, I ignored him. I had no interest in moving to the suburbs. It was not for me. I was very sure about this. So why would I waste my time reading about it? We just heard an intense gospel passage and one that may leave many of us squirming. Parts of it are hard to decipher, and then the parts that seem clear also seem awful. <laughs> Deny yourself? Take up your cross? Lose your life? No, thank you. We don't need more suffering, and we don't need the suffering that we do have to be glorified. So just as an aside to head off any possible misunderstandings here, I am very much not uh, likening my arrival here <laughs> as your rector, as, as me taking up my cross or losing my life. That's, that's not the message. You all are way too much fun for that to be true. But there is there's a part of this strange exchange that has captured both my attention and my imagination this year and in a way that I've never heard it before. It's this little fragment of a lesson that Jesus throws at the disciples as an intimidating curveball. Deny yourself. Deny yourself. Just before we pick up with the story today, Peter has figured out that Jesus is the Messiah. And surely they are all blown over by the majesty of this realization. 
And now Jesus is predicting brutal things for himself and encouraging them to follow suit. At least that's how I've always heard it. Deny yourself. It's a loaded bit of advice, and it sounds like a miserable proposition. This does not work well for church slogans. Come to Church of the Resurrection and deny yourself. I'm guessing that's not why you all showed up today. But remember where else we hear about this. It's coming up in another month or so, just before we get to Easter, when everything goes horribly wrong. And they come and arrest Jesus and haul him away. There, on that awful night, Peter makes things yet worse when he denies Jesus. It's heartbreaking. But remember what he actually says there. We call it a denial. That's how Jesus talks about it, too. He says that before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. It's a gut punch. But Peter's words are different. When asked about Jesus, he simply says, I do not know the man. I do not know him. The denial is a terrible thing when Peter does it in this context. Jesus is already suffering, and Peter abandons him as salt in the wounds. And yet here, in the passage we have today... Jesus is encouraging us to do to ourselves what Peter will do to him. At first take, it doesn't make any sense. But I think that Jesus, the the master of mystery and paradox, is up to something. One of the great challenges of living a life of faith is that it is not a one-size-fits-all situations kind of thing. What is a faithful and loving way to follow him in one context may be exactly the opposite in another. It's not simple or straightforward. Following him can be as mysterious and confusing as the wild parables he loves to tell. I think this is one of those times. For me, the clue lies not in the naming of how Peter falls a short short while later in the story. It's, It's not in thinking about it as denial, but in those words he says. I do not know him, he says again and again. I do not know him. It's painful there. But by asking us to use those same words with ourselves, I think Jesus might be trying to set us free. Friends, I don't know about you, but there have been many times in my life where I am sure that I know the plan. And I think that all I need to do is force it to come into fruition and all will be well. I have it mapped out. I think I know who I am and what I want and how it's all supposed to be. And of course, every time we say things like that, the Holy Spirit throws back her head and laughs. What if instead of gritting our teeth and clenching the plans we love so dearly, we tried saying, 
I do not know you, but said it to ourselves. The words cease to be the kind of abandonment that comes when Peter denies Jesus. And they become instead a a way to open up, a way to empty ourselves, a way to create room for all the possibilities we cannot begin to imagine. I think this is why Jesus is encouraging it. When we can get ourselves out of the way, that's when we can begin to hear what God might be calling us to do. It's not so surprising that he's leading the disciples in this way right now. They are delighted to have figured out that he is the Messiah And they are so sure of what that is supposed to look like. They're so sure that they completely miss what Jesus is actually up to. They're now busy imagining Jesus as a mighty warrior of a Messiah, one who will overthrow the oppressive powers that be. And and sweet Jesus He is just as committed to the way of love as he's ever been. And he knows it's going to get him killed. It's going to get him killed because this way of love feels so threatening to the powerful. It it terrifies them. He, He knows that he won't back down from this love. And he knows that that will mean the end of him. But the disciples are so wound up around what they think they know that they also totally miss the part where he tells them that resurrection will come too. No small wonder. He tells them to practice denying themselves or more simply put, to practice not knowing themselves. To get curious and unlearn all they think is fixed to dream about what they've never questioned before, to hold lightly everything that has been and look for where God might be moving out ahead of them. This denial is not about suffering. It's about opening. It's about freedom. It's about learning to follow God in spite of ourselves. In retrospect, it's not hard for me to see how stuck in my ways I was when I was busy refusing to read the parish profile for resurrection because I was so sure I didn't want to live in the suburbs. Thankfully, my friend Phil is nearly as persistent as Jesus himself, and so finally I read it mostly just to get him off my back. And as I read, as I I sat there taking it in, my, my mouth was hanging open because I knew I was already falling in love with this community. It wasn't what I had imagined. And very quickly it came clear that coming here both to this church and to this community would be a dream of a fit in a thousand ways. Fast forward five years, and I could not be happier to be living and serving here in the suburbs. (laughs) It is everything I wanted, even though I didn't know it at the time. 
And I almost missed out on it entirely because I thought I knew the plan and I thought I knew myself. Luckily for me, I had a friend to push me out of that rigid thinking. Here, though, here Jesus invites us to embrace this unknowing as one of the ways we follow him. We don't have to wait until someone comes to cajole us out of those stuck places. We can begin shaking them loose ourselves. We can begin by setting down our assumptions about the way things are, the way we think things have to be, and maybe most importantly, who we are so sure we each are. I don't know you, we can say, quietly, gently, even playfully to ourselves. It becomes its own kind of prayer, trusting that God will step into this opening and show us how to follow.